Hi there, and welcome to the Living with SMA podcast. We're here to have conversations about living with spinal muscular atrophy. Throughout this podcast, we will be covering lots of different topics from preparing for university, getting the most from your personal budget, sex and relationships, and lots, lots more. So we invite different hosts from across the SMA community to come together here. We want to answer your questions, provide you with useful tips and recommendations, and also share personal stories. So please do reach out and connect with us here at the charity SMA UK. Thank you for listening, and we hope to find the podcast useful. Hello everyone, welcome to the next episode of Living with SMA. Uh, today I'm joined by a whole wide range of uh, guests and uh, we're going to be focusing on what life is like with SMA from when we were diagnosed up until um, where we are today to see some of the differences and some of the things that we have in common and hopefully it can be some full of some insightful tips. Um, right now I'm joined with uh, Joan and um, uh, hopefully um, her story will be inspiring to others and to anyone that's listening. Uh, Joan, if you don't mind, if you can just give us an introduction about who you are um, so we know who we're talking to. Hi, yeah, I'm Joan Turner. I'm from Glasgow in Scotland. I've got SME type 2, uh, 56 on Monday. So I've got a lot of experience of uh, SME and living with it and enjoying my life, really. And now I've to early retirement, so... I'm enjoying it even more. It's brilliant. That's fantastic, fantastic. And uh, um, what 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 was your career? What did you do before you retired? Um, I worked in the housing sector uh, with repairs, and then later in factoring and dealing with owners and inquiries uh, as a business advisor. So it was always really busy um, dealing with resolving issues, complaints inquiries um just non-stop all the time never ending and i worked full time managed that and i think that probably helped being um you know kept on the go all the time i would be up early every morning i'd be away at seven i wouldn't be into five and that was five days a week um right up until maybe about four or five years ago and i reduced it by a day still mainly done the same hours but I just felt that I loved my work and just wanted to keep going love being busy um, and I managed it physically it was all right maybe a lot of people wouldn't have been able to I get that but I think when you've got an ability mm-hmm. there and keep going then I would always do that and um, I think that probably looking back the the one thing I think I should have done earlier was move into my new my own house because I live independently, um, and I think that would have given me even more motivation to do stuff. But um, no, mm-hmm. I've done quite well working, so I'm quite happy with that. Awesome, yeah, awesome. Really glad to hear that. Um, and, and tell me, um, when when were you officially diagnosed with SMA? Probably when I was maybe a bit three, four, around about that. Uh, I vaguely remember some things. 
I think they were in the house. I think probably my mum and dad knew something wasn't quite right. But bear in mind, that's over 50 years ago. Probably never even heard of SME or I don't even know if muscular dystrophy, mm-hmm. how much was known then. Um, but I think then they did realise something wasn't quite right because I wasn't walking, um, crawling more than anything. Uh, and then I'd get tested. Mm-hmm. So I can remember being in the hospital, getting a muscle biopsy done, which was like a whole operation. Um, I've still got the scar. I think now they just go in and take a wee bit of tissue. Um, but no, it was full blown operation. Um, so I had that, and that's when they told me that, uh, that I had SME. But when I look back at my records now, it says I'm type 1, which obviously didn't have. But I think that was lack of okay. understanding then. Um, and yep. Probably quite a bleak outlook. I think my mum was told, well, I probably would never go to school. Um, lifespan, probably not very mm-hmm. good. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't think there were any sort of optimists then, you know, to look forward to what you could do and what you could achieve um, compared to now what yeah. you have done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I I can totally, I I can totally relate to that. Um, you know, that's this episode is really highlighted for me how how similar life has been for people with SMA. So that story that you've just told is it's very similar to mine. My mum and dad obviously knew that something was wrong, and I I'm 37 now and. Even back then, there still wasn't a lot of data, especially in South Africa, where I, where I was born. And mm-hmm. um, just kind of the same, like your your child is not going to live past a certain age. And, um, you know, don't expect much from a life because there's not much that we can predict or tell you because it's a, a condition we don't know much about. And um, uh, it, 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 for me, it's just given me so much reassurance. and. And I know what my life has been like, and and I have achieved the things that I've achieved because I've pushed myself to do that. Yeah. But knowing that that there's so many of us out there that are doing the same thing, it, it it's really inspiring. I mean, you you've been around longer than I have, and um, you've lived a very full life by the sounds of it, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's amazing, you know. And and it's really good to hear that that SMA didn't get in the way of you being don't. It's really great. That's it. I think it's part of you, isn't it? It maybe defines you in a sense and makes you what you are, but you just grow up with it. So I think if you've got a positive outlook in life and want to do certain things, then you should be able to achieve that. Um, And definitely sort of put things in your way or. You know, people will tell it that, that you wouldn't go to school. And, well, you did go to school. You got full education, able to work like anyone else. Um, so there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to. And then now there's things like absolutely treatments, like Ristiplum and things like that, that I don't know if you're on Ristiplum. Um, and they were all uh, not yet. Not yet. You but never I'm, thought sorry. it would have been there. 
Yeah. So the, things like that are great now. There are much more opportunities out there and available for kids. So there's no reason why they can't live a full mm-hmm. active life. I think when I started school, I didn't even have a wheelchair. That's how basic things were. They never, when I went to go to school, obviously I can't mm-hmm. walk and they're like, well, how do you move it about? Well, we carry her. And so eventually I got a wheelchair. And, and you look at young kids now and they're zooming about and all sorts of gadgets, aren't they? Yeah. And, um, yeah. So yeah. that it's really great to see how times have changed and the, the technology that, that's become available and the facilities that have come av- available for us um, as people with disabilities, not not necessarily just SMA, but the disab- disabled community as a whole. Um, I guess the next question that I would have to you, have for you is, uh, by the sounds of it, you've answered it a, l- a little bit already, but um, what kind of support was available to you back then with uh, post-diagnosis? I don't think there were much support. Um... Like when you were younger, maybe out with the school, there definitely wasn't. Um, when eventually uh, there were a, a school that was mainstream education, but it was still a separate school from able-bodied, which I don't think is, is right. I think that's just totally wrong. Everyone should be mixing together. Um, we're doing the same education all we need is a more accessible building, uh, just like you are in your workplace or your house. It's no any difference. So I think we should all be integrated together. Because I know when I started work, you had a lot of people's different attitudes and what they seen because they'd never grown up with anyone with a disability. So, I mean, really good friends now with a lot, and they've all admitted that in the beginning they thought, oh, God, is she going to have a chip in her shoulder? And, you know, is she going to be able to say to her, which would be like, how she going to react? And then I think it's got to know you and mm-hmm. know that you're, you're not any different. Um, they could feel at ease, but then why didn't they grow up in school like that? So that's why I think we should mix from yeah. a very early age. I've got my niece, who's 10, is growing up with me in the wheelchair and... She helps you and does things and doesn't even think of it. And you're probably the same mm-hmm. with family and friends, mm-hmm. people now having kids, and uh, which are way back then that probably was never going to be heard of. Um, but now you hear mm-hmm. loads of mm-hmm. SMA mums. Um, uh, I don't yeah. know. Maybe yeah. when I grew up, we weren't they thinking like that then. Um, but they weren't the support they were. There's things like the SME group and Muscular Dystrophy UK now. I think I'm, I joined the SME group when it first started as the Jennifer Trust. And it was Anita, mm-hmm. whose daughter had passed away with type 1. And that was how I'd get involved then. So it was a good resource. Mm-hmm. It was good to be sharing stories with other people and experiences. I think that really helps everyone. Um, and then I get involved yeah. with the dystrophy group. But when they're saying that, you know, um, 
involved too much. I was always doing things and loved going out, going out concerts and parties and whatever out with pals and that. So I probably wasn't heavily involved in it, but it was good to know that that resource was there. And certainly now, I think you use mm-hmm. it more and you've got the internet. There's, there is so much there for you now to learn, which back then, as you know, Absolutely. you didn't know anything really. Yeah. Well, it's absolutely that's spot on. You know, SMA UK has really become a, a foundation in my life. Um, you know, coming to the UK 20 months ago and um, having my understanding of SMA because when I was diagnosed, I had a muscle biopsy and all I was told is I have a version of SMA called uh, kugelberg Wielander syndrome mm-hmm. and you you kind of Google what that is and you find out that it's SMA and you're like, okay, I've got SMA. And then you come to the UK and the doctor tells you, well, technically we don't acknowledge um, muscle biopsies as a form of diagnosis anymore. So we need to do a genetics test. And once we do that, we'll be able to tell you what type you actually have. Mm-hmm. And it's only recently that I found out that I'm type 2, you know, and um, you know, you were talking about treatments that are available, which were never available back when we were younger. Um, I'm I'm waiting for confirmation of of delivery date of Rizdaplam, so I'll be starting that journey soon. Oh, and um, I, I think it, it, I think when we look at some of the, the treatments that are available for the, the, the youth of today, there is ama- amazing things happening in the medical field and in the pharmaceutical industry mm-hmm. that could be making a major impact and make a major difference in people's lives and help them live a much fuller life than probably what you and I and others similar to our age have been able to do. Because we never had that kind of assistance available. And I think SMA UK have done a, a fantastic job to to try and be that resource, as you said, to be the, the go-to organization to help people understand SMA, to know what's available for them, and and to, to kind of be the beacon of, of hope that you can be whatever you want to be. It doesn't matter whether you're type 1, 2, 3, and, and and beyond, you know, so it's really great to hear that. Um, the last question that I have for you is, um, looking back on your life so far, what would, what's the one thing you would tell your younger self? Um, I think to, to be as active as you can, um, to definitely live independently, um, wish I'd done that early 20s and even though I, I love my mum and dad and they were, br- they're brilliant they still are still help um, I think we could all have had a better and more productive life because I could have been able to do more and so could they um, and I love now mm-hmm. that I've got so much independence been living alone now for almost 13 years um, and being able to make your own choices and do what you want and such a different life. Mm-hmm. Um, but keeping active, I think, looking back, I wish I had done more um, with exercise. I used to do it a bit at school and go to physio and things. Then you leave school and you go to pubs instead of going to physio. So 
you think, oh, that. And you know, oh, that movement will still be there. And then you realise, no, that movement isn't there when you go to do it. So yeah. I think you now, I think yeah. they are a bit more conscious now about how exercise can help a bit more rather than. Mm-hmm. I, I think we all used to think, well, your muscles aren't going to improve. So why bother doing it? But now we've got Ristoplam exactly. exercises. So. Who knows what's around the corner? I never imagined I would see any form of drugs. So it's brilliant that we've got that. Yeah. But I, th- I think I that can, would be really I can important. Totally... Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I can totally I can totally relate to that. Um I I also thought that in my time I would never see a treatment. I think I even remember having a conversation with a friend in my late teens saying that there'll never be there'll never be a treatment for this. It's it's too complicated. So why why bother? And uh in hindsight I for myself as well I think wow you knew so little, you know, so um it's it's crazy. Um I'm I'm really, really excited to see what the future holds and to be able to to do episodes like this with people like yourself and the other people on, on, on the episode with us um, to, to just show others that anything is possible and um, I just want to thank you for, for being here today and uh, for sharing your story mm-hmm. and uh, I hope I hope we will um, cross paths again because uh, it, it's a great story you have to tell. Thank you good nice chat You've been listening to the Living with SMA podcast. We hope you can join us again next time. But in the meantime, please don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can find out more on our website at smauk.org.uk.